In this series of conversations, Vidhi speaks with queer academics, lawyers, and activists on marriage equality and beyond. The series touches upon the marriage equality petitions before the Supreme Court of India and the relationship between queer movements and the law. It highlights the need for community consultation, the importance of legal recognition to intimacies beyond marriage, demands of the transgender community, and the future of family law in India. In this conversation on Vidhi Beyond Marriage Equality, we speak with Pawan Dhal, a queer activist, archivist, and author from Kolkata on the marriage equality matter and the need for community consultation and the concerns of diverse members of the queer community in India. Hello, and welcome to today's conversation on beyond marriage equality. Uh, I'm Sreshi and I'm joined today by Pawan Dhal. Pawan is a Kolkata-based queer activist, archivist, researcher and writer. He was a founding member of Council Club Kolkata, which was among India's earliest queer support groups. Pawan also edited its in-house journal, Pravartak. He then worked with Sati from 22 to 2014 on universal access to health and social justice and is now associated with Varta Trust as founding trustee. He's also a prolific writer, and his latest publications include Queer Portly, Mehdi's Imaginations and Reimaginations of Urban Queer Spaces in India, which was published by Queer Inc. in 2019, and uh, Out of Line and Offline, Queer Mobilizations in 90s Eastern India, which was published by Seagull Books in 2020. Thank you so much for joining us, Pawan. Thank you. Glad to be here. Um, so we just start with getting your general input and thoughts on the ongoing marriage equality demands and proceedings that have been ongoing and the Supreme Court has uh, reserved judgment on it, but we've had a long session of arguments, demands as well as counter affidavits. So just wanted to know your thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Well, at one level, I would definitely say that the demand for marriage equality is justified. Um, there are a number of a large number of queer couples in the country today who uh, feel that uh, marriage equality, the right to marry, will be uh, the path pathway ahead for them to have a better quality of life, for them to be better better able to negotiate. Uh, the realities of a society. Uh, I think, well, some of them may have a very romantic notion of marriage, but I think there are also a lot of couples who are thinking about it in a hard-headed manner. And so, come to think of it, marriage does offer so many securities. And I'll put that in inverted commas because um, many of those securities, unfortunately, tend to be an illusion. Uh, in in you know uh, the experience of so many people says that marriage is not exactly what it seems like. Uh, especially the wedding ceremony should not be mixed up with marriage. Those are two very different things. So, but at the same time, uh, I totally understand that uh, uh, for a queer person looking for security, looking for protection from stigma, discrimination, violence all around, marriage might offer that security. And so therefore that demand for marriage equality to that extent is justified. But having said that, I would say that um, I want to again talk about the fact that marriage does prove to be very unequal 
it is based on uh it is an institution that is inherently unequal because it is uh, because of its uh, close connection with patriarchy and um so it's not exactly what it seems to be it seems to be like a uh, a star or a lighthouse in the darkness but then it doesn't prove to be that and i think that um, uh my larger uh sensibility or my larger thinking behind this says that as a movement as queer movements plural movements we should have strategized differently uh marriage equality should have been an outcome of several other changes progressive changes incremental or large ones that doesn't matter but many other changes which would make an impact on the day to day lives of queer people and i want to emphasize queer people not just couples i also want to talk about queer individuals so here in this question comes in that why should my rights as a queer person be realized by me only if i get married why don't i get the same protection the same benefits uh the same respect even if i'm not married mm-hmm. even if i'm single or may maybe i have um more than one uh romantic relationship or sexual relationship uh why this premium on marriage so that's another reason why i want to question this institution of marriage uh we should have looked at other realizable gains after decriminalization the focus should really be on anti discrimination in all aspects of life so that does include marriage but not right away mm-hmm. uh, i know in an ideal world i'm talking about an ideal situation perhaps but i think this was also practical if it had been done this way so we could have pursued we could have pushed harder to make sure that queer couples don't have to struggle to open joint bank accounts or mm-hmm. have a joint housing loan or uh, that they don't have to for, for that matter they don't have to struggle with the police and their own natal families just to live together mm-hmm. just to cohabit as consenting adults that still doesn't happen does it i mean uh, move out of the bigger cities and you realize how harsh the natal family can be the larger community can be and how uh, defiant the police is of what the supreme court has said about decriminalization they they it is like for a lot of police officers their area their police station is their fiefdom yeah. and their writ runs large there they don't bother they they are they will tell you on your face we don't care what the supreme court has said about decriminalization so these are the changes if we would have brought them or if we there is still time and i'm sure a lot of people are still doing this um if we bring up if we pursue these changes uh i also want to mention uh nominating your partner for your insurance policies for your bank accounts uh uh property willing away your property all these issues if we were to focus on these what in effect we would be doing is something good for the larger queer community and not just people interested in the narrow concept of marriage so we need protection for individuals we need protection for people in relationships which are not necessarily marriage 
and then yes also the right to marry Absolutely. Uh, so, Pavel, you've been in the movement for over three decades now, and you've written extensively about it as well. So, in your experience and in your research, uh, what were the initial consultation-based discussions regarding marriage or family or other kinds of uh, community with the, within the peer community? Because one of the criticisms that has that have been raised time and time again. With this set of petitions, is that most of them are not based on a larger community consultation. So, if you could yes. throw some light on the consultation that has happened over the decades, and which we can we probably take from to mm-hmm. inform uh, our next steps, if you could just throw light on some of them, that would be great. So, uh, I would first talk about two uh, developments which happened in the nineties, mid and the late nineties, where. uh i was part of those uh the first was the naz hamsafar trust conference in 1994 in mumbai where uh marriage and family these were two very important issues that were discussed in small groups and then also discussed in uh, larger plenary sessions so um there the main emphasis though was on not so much on marriage but more on family acceptance and also talking about family diversity mm-hmm. so uh but those were early days and uh as far as my memory goes uh there was a lot of discussion around ideas but uh a more concrete discussion was uh something that happened in 1997 that was another lgbt or rather lgb the uh the expression had yet to uh, you know find space but it was an lgb conference organized by forum against oppression of women stri sangam uh, the erstwhile stri sangam then uh, the human uh, the uh, the india center for human rights and law and council club this was also in mumbai in uh, i think november 1997 this is where it was a uh, big eye opener for me personally and a lot of my other uh, queer activist colleagues because we actually for the first time talked about uh, different forms of family family which is not necessarily in the narrow sense of a natal family family mm-hmm. through and not just also through adoption but chosen families uh, siblings living together or friends living together mm-hmm. uh, and not even necessarily in the same household so these were people were sharing a variety of experiences a variety of ideas or possibilities and um, so we we talked about redefining the concept of family right and um, one thing of course though when i look back uh, i realized that we did not actually talk about the hijra households or the hijra teras in this conference as well because if you look at it then the concept of a hijra household is already an alternative family structure mm-hmm. right and this has this is part of a culture this is part of a tradition and it has been so for hundreds of years so we already have a precedent to look at family diversity and uh, we also looked at um, the question of marriage how marriage could play itself out in the context of a same sex couple mm-hmm. because 
the traditional the concept of marriage is really uh you know the, it's totally designed around the con- uh, a heterosexual or heterosexist concept of man woman where man is the breadwinner and woman uh, runs the household and she's always subservient to the husband uh whereas for the very first time i think we were trying to articulate situations uh of uh, what happens if both the persons are women or both the persons are men uh can we envisage a situation where each person has complete equal rights on their their own property you know whatever they bring into the marriage uh, or into the relationship they should have complete ownership of that particular uh, part of the or the, uh, that particular property or asset or whatever it is and it was all very uh, alien at that time but also revolutionary it also seemed that okay this is this sounds good this should be the case why why isn't this the case right and why should it be actually be limited to same sex couples that was also a question uh, in in our minds so i remember the 97 conference and uh, this uh, the proceedings during the conference were captured in an amazing resource book called hamjinsi which was first published in 99 and then 2002 and uh, uh, it has chapters uh, or papers on same sex marriage from uh, holland from it has a paper on uh, the discussions that we had during the conference and in particular the forum against oppression of women uh, they had tried to bring up this discussion around marriage uh, marriage equality is what we are calling it today so marriage equality and family diversity among other women's groups so there were these questions also i was reading it in hamjinsi there were these questions that why do you want to again uh, institutionalize queer relationships so once again the fact is that yes if somebody says no i don't want to be part of any institutional institutionalized uh, system then they are always free to do that but at the same time even if a relationship is not marriage it would still be helpful to have clarity about the equal rights of the two or more persons involved right so i think uh, this this was this should inform our debate even today i mean we are talking about what you call the uh is it the least common denominator or some such concept you know where you talk about not a situation which applies only to a handful of people mm-hmm. but to the largest possible number of people mm-hmm. and uh protect the rights of everyone not just people entering uh the traditional or a copy of the traditional concept of marriage mm-hmm. so these two conferences i remember uh there were further discussions i remember in another conference uh, again organized by hamsafar and a number of other queer support groups in 2000 uh once again in mumbai uh, subsequently uh i was part of council club so we had a number of discussions uh we wrote articles on the issue of queer relationships queer friendships but uh i uh in my knowledge uh i haven't come across any other uh concrete discussion around uh 
marriage equality which has gone missing actually you know it didn't happen even before these petitions so it would have been an opportunity to uh, thrash out a lot of these issues to some extent the ritubora rituparna bora petition does offer a way out because it talks about family diversity it talks about protection and not just same sex marriage yeah. um so i think now the conversation is taking a turn i mean of course we all hope for a positive verdict from the supreme court but now there are talks of you know the supreme court reserving itself to a constitutional recognition and leaving the rest to the legislature and the union saying that we are ready to form a committee for discussing the issues that queer people and queer couples and queer families might face so if we take this opportunity to kind of thrash out the same issues that you had you were just mentioning what do you think should be the next steps um as if i mean of course we do hope for a positive verdict from the supreme court but at the same time we need to look at what are the options that must be utilized to the fullest so in that sense what are the areas that you would like the these queer movements to kind of focus on prioritize at this stage uh i am not a great one with regard to committees and all and in fact if uh, i look back i seem to have missed out on a whole lot of committees which were formed for promoting lgbt rights uh, partly because unfortunately uh, within the movement there is no uh, i have to point this out because one has to be self critical as well yes. and i don't think that there within the movement uh within the queer movements there is enough sharing of information mm-hmm. and exchange of ideas people uh are not working as they used to with regard to section 377 mm-hmm. uh there might be various reasons for this but um i think that uh, even before we sit before any committee for negotiations mm-hmm. about what should be uh you know guaranteed for queer couples uh i think that uh, there is an opportunity there's a window of an opportunity for the queer movement for the queer groups to have a national dialogue mm-hmm. and you know today you have the benefit of the internet of zoom calls uh to to reach the remotest corners and uh, either in person or over over uh, o- online to find out what people want <clears throat> what are the opinions what are the different nuances what are the different uh, demands that people have in mind uh is it marriage and if marriage then in what form and if not marriage then at least what mm-hmm. right so there is still this opportunity and i think uh, the queer movements need to thrash this out and have a clarity of their own <clears throat> and this would definitely include all the petitioners mm-hmm. uh, the current petitioners i'm sure they should be part of this uh, dialogue and then one should be there before sit before the committee and uh, also there needs to be some kind of uh, you know i don't know if it will be it will work out at all or not but uh, what is going to be the constitution of that committee who is going to be part of it right so that also has to be thrashed out i can think of only this much you know i think uh, uh it's an opportunity for us to do our own homework 
as a, as a community as a movement mm-hmm. before talking to the government absolutely and i think that's a good note to end on because i feel that now now that we have so many voices talking about this and we have people throwing it on on this debate it's a good opportunity to instead of confidently saying that these are the three things we want yeah Yes. to do a more thorough consultation and you're yeah. part of more grassroots movements you're part of the queer friendly lawyers network which interacts with the queer community on the daily issues that different diverse people within the community face so yes. uh, i think i think that's a good reflective um not to to i i would i would uh, since there is an opportunity i would again emphasize the need for police reforms Mm-hmm. uh it's a huge thing of course it's a huge concept but um at least again incremental changes if that is what one is talking about then uh the police i would say that in the experience of qfln the mm-hmm. queer friendly lawyers network there have been some pleasant surprises there mm-hmm. have been occasions when trans people when they have gone to the police station to file a complaint uh they have been you know the complaint has been registered mm-hmm. but this still appears as an exception not the rule and mm-hmm. uh, we have so many people calling up talking about uh, either domestic violence or violence from uh, their immediate community neighbors uh, workplace discrimination mm-hmm. but when it comes to filing a police complaint that is where the biggest hitch is you know uh, as activists and lawyers we can help them frame their complaint we can give them information but at the end of the day this this entire negotiation that begins inside one's mind is that uh, am i going to land in deeper trouble mm-hmm. because the stigma is still there and the police does play moral police even now they will uh, tell you why aren't you listening to your parents why aren't you getting married and being good and having two kids and etc etc why are you doing this why are you spoiling your life all of that that is a mild form but it goes deeper it can become even more aggressive and there are so many cases where adult queer individuals have voluntarily left their homes <clears throat> but there have been so many instances where queer activists have been in trouble because the family filed the case of kidnapping and the police in spite of knowing that the person who has left was an adult and has actually informed the police station that i am leaving of my own free will they will still register a case because the family has said so yeah. so uh one would look for at least these changes in mm-hmm. the relationship that we are people have with the police because otherwise uh these these are the uh what i would call the nth moment issues you know which need to be tackled mm-hmm. uh, which are not being talked about unfortunately yeah and as you mentioned you know the other rights pertaining to social autonomy financial autonomy banking finance property that shouldn't yeah. ideally be tied to an institution as such yes but but yes uh, these are uh, various areas in which uh, queer people face this and not just queer people single cis het people would also face that without a Absolutely. without being married so those are incremental and uh, intermediate steps uh, that we must take while also obviously 
advocating for rights like marriage equality. So yes. I think uh, that's really that that was that was really insightful, and I think not a lot of people talk about the movements and the conversations that have already happened in India, and the dominant criticism is also that this is like an elite concept or a Western concept. So I think it's important to talk about these consultations and conversations that have happened, and we're really glad that we were able to, we were able to have you on board to talk about them. Happy to share my thoughts. Yeah. So thank you so much, Pavan. Um, and thank you so much for your time. And we hope to see you again in some other no. application. Thank Absolutely. You. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.